My Car Guru, Season 11, Episode 104. Well, hello, folks, and welcome to another edition of My Car Guru. I have been a delinquent boy lately. I'll tell you why. This is the reason, okay? I think there are really good reasons. Uh, the reason that I've had to run a few reruns on my local radio broadcast, but, you know, to you podcast listeners, it's a, it's just like another show. But anyway, I had a new granddaughter. Her name is Bonnie Ruth Nelson, and she is a Bonnie lass. And I'm so excited about that for her parents, my youngest daughter and her husband, and uh, that that will be, or she, <laughs> will be added to two boys, ages five in kindergarten and two and a half. So they've packed them together pretty good, wouldn't you say? Other than that, I went to Las Vegas last week. I gave everybody a warning about that, and um, or a heads up, not necessarily a warning. But it was a very valuable trip. Not only because I got to see Zach Brown in concert, he was the entertainment for the Nissan show. That's a pretty good show. And then, uh, what's that other guy's name? Darius Rucker. So he was the entertainment uh, the night before. So we had some pretty good enter entertainment. But other than that, we had great food. But the best thing, I guess, is uh, what we learned. So today on this show, we're going to talk about how Nissan is getting it right. Yes, I know. I'm a Nissan dealer. But I'm not being biased here because I've got my guru hat on. Uh, also, we'll be talking about the United Auto Workers being at war and an electric vehicle update. Everybody wants that, especially those who uh, are interested in, in possibly making the change to EV. And I've, I've made it pretty clear what my feelings are about EVs. And uh, they're even more in focus now than they have ever been after going to this Nissan meeting. So anyway, let's talk about how Nissan is getting it right first. So my expectations were pretty good for this meeting. I didn't like the idea of having to go to Las Vegas, but we had a good trip. I went with my nephew, Max, who is my general sales manager at our dealership. So he runs all of the sales department. So he's going to be responsible for selling the 13 new models of Nissans that are coming out. Now, let's talk a little bit about their approach, which I think is the right approach to this EV non-revolution. You know, they want you to think that it's a revolution. It's not. Now, Ford must have thought it was a revolution because they're building all these battery plants and factories and stuff like that to build these electric vehicles. The problem is right now is that the inventory of EVs is growing dramatically. You know what that means, right? They're not selling at the rate that the manufacturers thought they would. Now, the dealers knew this, okay? Dealers like me, because we are very close to the market, and we're the ones that get the pushback when we bring it up. Now, granted, I don't live in California or in the uh, liberal northeast where EVs are much more popular, but uh, we, do, we live in the heartland, you know, here in East Tennessee. And usually when I bring up the idea of an EV to somebody, an electric vehicle, they don't say no. They say, heck no. They're just not interested. Now, we're selling them mostly to people that are not from here. Uh, we sell a few. We've sold, I don't know, eight or ten in Upper East Tennessee and, you know, down to Knoxville. We've had a couple customers from Knoxville. But most of them have been to people from out of state. 
you know, that have driven to Greenville. We actually sent a Lightning, F-150 Lightning, to California. So people are buying them, but not enough. And so why is that? <clears throat> well, it's because the market just isn't there yet. The, the typical car buyer is just not ready for the switch. And the main reason for that is because they don't charge fast enough and there aren't enough chargers out there. Now, Ford and um, Elon Musk and several other companies are working to try to correct that. I'm getting ready to put in a level three charger at Gateway, which means that somebody traveling through will be able to pull up and get a full charge in about 30 to 40 minutes. So that's that's pretty good, but there's just not enough of them out there yet. Uh, the state of Tennessee has mandated that there will be an EV charging station every 50 miles along major thoroughfares through the state. So they're in the process of building those out right now. But let's get back to Nissan. What are they doing? Well, they're coming out with EVs. EVs are, are going to be available from Nissan. Already we have the Aria, which is a little crossover SUV. We also have the Leaf, which more Leafs have been sold uh, as far as electric vehicles. The, the Leaf is the number one selling EV of all time. Big deal though, right? So it was a very unattractive vehicle, which Nissan acknowledges, but the new one looks really good. So what is Nissan doing differently? Well, they're, they're slowly introducing EVs, which to me makes a whole lot more sense. But they're also getting in the, into the hybrid game. And that's where I think the, the heart of the market is. And that's going to be an easier transition to EVs, don't you think? If somebody can buy either a plug-in hybrid, which would be an EV that you can plug into your, your home electrical system, uh, you can get a charge and you can probably drive 50 to 80 miles, totally EV. And then when you run out of electricity or the batteries run out, you can uh, rely on that gasoline engine. And the gasoline engine will in turn recharge the battery and they have regenerative braking as well to, to send a charge back to the batteries. So that's a whole lot more comfortable for me. Is it more comfortable for you? If not, then the uh, internal combustion engine is here to stay. And Nissan is acknowledging that with a whole host of new models coming out with smaller displacement engines, some of them with turbocharging to give them more power, the power that most people want in their vehicle. And they're very, very fuel efficient and very clean in, in terms of a, um, a vehicle that uses gasoline. So when you look at General Motors, you look at Ford, uh, they are both going all in as far as EVs. Uh, they've had considerable pushback from dealers. Uh, they've had considerable pushback from the consumer. And it's it's made evident now by the building inventory. So we shall see what happens. Okay, I'll take my first break. I'll be back here in just a minute. Okay, so you're sitting at work at your desk and your boss comes up to you and says, hey, can I talk to you a minute? So the first thing on your mind is, uh-oh, what did I do? It's usually not a good thought, but he brings you into your office or his office and, and you sit down and he says, well, I got some good news. We're going to give you a 46% raise. What? Yeah, a 46% raise. Plus, we're going to cut your hours down from 40 hours a week to 32 hours a week. Uh, you mean I'm going to get a 46% raise and an extra day off? Yes. So will you continue working for us with joy in your heart? Uh, yeah, I think so.
I think most people would be very happy with that, wouldn't you? Well, that's what the United Auto Workers are asking for right now. And if they don't get it, they're going to go on strike. So they're asking for a 46% raise while cutting the work week down to 32 hours. Do you feel sorry for them? I certainly don't. I think they've done pretty good. Now, did they sacrifice a lot for the uh, industry during the pandemic? And even before that, to survive through the Great Recession, which took place back in, what, 08, 09. Yeah, they did sacrifice a lot. They want it back because they've seen the, the high profitability of the automakers, and they want their piece of the pie. Well, there's tremendous pressure right now on the automakers to be able to build vehicles cheaper, especially electric vehicles. Now, Ford is losing. I know you find this hard to believe. I do too. But they are losing based on their total investment to this point in the, the Mach-E, which is some people call it the electric Mustang. It's not a Mustang. It's just an SUV that has a horse riding on the front of it. But anyway, um, they say that they're losing $60,000 per vehicle sold. Well, you know, most common sense people say, well, why don't they just stop selling them? Because they're trying to spread the cost out as time goes forward uh, or time marches on, uh, that they will have enough volume to be able to move into a profitable situation. It's all those upfront costs that are haunting them right now. So they're sticking, they're staying the course, but it's uh, it's got to get profitable at some point. And it certainly doesn't help to increase uh, labor cost, which is a significant part of the cost of building a car by 46%. So it's not going to happen, but I'd say that you could probably count on some significant raises. You know, we just don't need any more inflationary pressures in this country, and that certainly is one. And I'm not exactly sure how the makers are going to mitigate that. You know, the banks can and the finance companies can do a lot, but what that's going to do is just make the the uh, the payments stretch out a whole lot longer. I mean, can you, can you imagine financing a car for 10 years? I mean, that's what it's going to take for people to be able to afford the monthly payments because the average consumer, they're all looking for the same thing. 450 a month. That's the max. That's what everybody wants. Now, I was I remember a day, I don't know, 30 years ago, in the old days it was always 250 a month. That's what inflation does. But what we're seeing right now is that folks, the credit history of a lot of folks is pretty bad right now. Uh, they've been cruising along. There's been a whole lot of money pumped into the system, and most of that's gone. And now they're loading up on credit cards, and credit card debt is off the charts, and folks aren't paying their credit card bills, and it's driving down their scores badly. And so we're dealing with a lot of beacon scores that we just haven't seen in a lot of years. I mean, I'm talking, you know, a perfect beacon score, I think, is about 800, okay? These folks aren't even half that. If you're a 700, you can pretty much get anything you want to. If you get down into the sixes, the interest rate starts going up. The banks want more down payment. You know, you get down into the fives, and you're just about out of the new car game. And, and, you know, a lot of those people are upside down, too. They owe more on their cars than they're worth. And, and then you take a combination of no down payment, a terrible credit score, and owing five to $10,000 more on your car than it's worth, 
makes it hard to get somebody bought, you know, on a deal. And that's what we're seeing right now. We're seeing more and more of that. And a lot of folks are just kind of sitting on the sidelines, the people that do have money, uh, waiting on the rates to come down. I mean, you've got, you know, older people that have money and they're now extremely happy because they're earning good interest rates at the bank, you know, in excess of 5% interest on their certificates of deposit. So they don't want to take that out and and buy a car or use it as down payment, part of it as down payment on a car when the interest rate on the car loan is 8%. That makes sense. Now the car make, makers are doing a lot, I mean, to help mitigate that with 0% financing on certain models, but still the cars are very expensive. So there's a lot of forces working against the car industry right now, but hopefully that will uh, change, but it's not going to change anytime soon. It, the Fed is already talking about raising interest rates again, which puts more pressure on the, the people who have a lot of credit card debt. It puts more pressure on folks wanting to finance a car or buy a house or do just about anything, home improvement. So, you know, their, I guess their mission to control inflation is working to a certain degree. And they're not happy, apparently, until it gets down around 2%. And so we're a ways from that, but we'll see what happens. So how about some happy talk, Lenny? Okay. Well, yesterday I sold a very old car, a 1948 Lincoln Continental. I've talked about it on this radio show. It is the last of the classic cars. It's the only classic car that I've ever had. What's a classic car? Well, that's a car that was built probably in the 30s, built or designed in the 30s. Now, that yeah, this is a 48, but it was designed in 1937. And so it has those characteristics, extremely long, extremely luxurious for the time, big pontoon fenders, a spare tire mounted on the back, in a cover, of course. Uh, this is a convertible car, has a massive V12 engine. Of course, you may be thinking, wow, that thing must have 500 horsepower. No, about 180. <laughs> you know, back then they didn't know how to get horsepower. It just has a little teeny itty-bitty carburetor on top of it. But sold it on Facebook Marketplace. Now, today, I, I do want to give you some tips. If you've got something to sell, Facebook Marketplace is a great place to sell it, especially if it's a car. And But you still have certain hoops you need to jump through if you want to get a good result. So I'm going to give you some tips on selling on Facebook Marketplace if you got an old car or even a late model car. It's a great place to sell vehicles. But you got to learn how to tell the story and also how to take good pictures and also how to spot a fake buyer. Yep, I had to deal with a lot of those. So I'll be back in just one minute. Okay, I am back. You know, I tried to get several people to list their vehicles on Facebook Marketplace. And they said, well, I don't have a Facebook account. I said, well, get one. No, I don't want to do the Facebook thing. You don't have to. You just open an account, put the basic information in, and then you can list on Facebook Marketplace and you can buy stuff. It's no different than like buying on, or listing on eBay or you know buying and selling on any other uh, hosted site. And plus you can join all kinds of cool groups and get information on the vehicles that you own. For example, let's say that you have a, I don't know, a, an old Camaro. You might want to join a Camaro group, which has all kinds of Camaro owners, people that are buying, selling, just bragging, you know, showing pictures of their vehicles. It's really interesting. 
You don't have to, you know, take pictures of your family members and show people how pretty your yard is. You don't have to do that. All you got to do is just play around with Facebook Marketplace. So don't be afraid of it. Use it before you, uh, you know, just put, put, I don't know, put your car in the yard and put a sign on it. Because that's not how you get top dollar. The internet is it. That's the place. So the I'll give you an example. The people that bought the 48 Lincoln, would they have ever seen that car if I put it in my front yard or put it down at the dealership or something like that? No, they wouldn't have. They saw it on Facebook Marketplace, and they live in Indiana. And this is a vehicle that this guy's always wanted. I had, while I was selling that vehicle, I had 48 people that were interested in that car. 48 and they were all sending me messages and, you know, they want additional pictures of this and that. And some of the people were just fakes. They're just trying to, I don't know, waste my time or also, or maybe get into my Facebook where they could steal it from me. Sometimes people will steal your Facebook page or create a clone of your Facebook page and then they'll start trying to recruit friends and stuff. And it's just a way to, it's either a way to steal from people or mess with people. I don't really, I never have really understood why folks do that. But that being said, you can. There are certain things you can do to protect yourself and your account. But the Facebook Marketplace is a tool. It's just a. It's a store where you can sell stuff. Like I've always been interested in buying another 1970, probably 68 through 72 Honda CT70. That's a little motorcycle that I had when I was a kid. And I've been looking for one. I, I need it like I need a hole in the head. I need it like I need that Piaggio Vespa that I bought, 1954 model. But these things are really expensive, but I can go on Facebook Marketplace and buy it directly from the individual. I don't have to go to bring a trailer, which is an auction website, and bid against other people. So it's a, it's a great thing. And you can sell anything. I've sold furniture on Facebook Marketplace. I've uh, sold, I haven't sold any guns not selling my guns, but I sell equipment that we don't use anymore at the dealership. And we will advertise on, on Facebook Marketplace when we start really selling a lot of our Bentelli golf carts and lawnmowers and stuff like that. So it's just another venue, I guess, of a place that we can sell. But there are some caveats. One of which is, well, I don't know if you call it a caveat or not, but it is a requirement. If you want to get top dollar, take quality pictures. My goodness, the people that post on Facebook or on Facebook Marketplace post something for sale. Clean it up, for goodness sake. Have a nice background. Take a bunch of really good pictures. And by all means, if you're selling a car, do a video. Do a video walk around to the vehicle with it running. I don't care if it's a piece of junk. People feel more comfortable when there is less uncertainty. So if you have a vehicle priced at a, a reasonable price, you got to do a little market research first. But if you price it reasonably, people will feel a lot better the more pictures you have. And with a good quality walk around, a driving video, a starting video. I mean, I take approximately 100 to 150 pictures when I list a vehicle on Bring a Trailer on the auction website. I also do anywhere from two to three videos of the vehicle, and I do it driving down the road. I'll have my wife stand there with the, with my iPhone and just record me as I'm 
approaching her and then driving past and she'll just pan and it's just, it makes people say, man, that thing looks good going down the road. So anything that you can do, and even if it's artistic, it makes people feel better. You're, you're touching their mind and their heart when it comes to buying something. Now you have to be totally honest. I mean, it would have been tragic for this guy to drive all the way from Indiana and the car to be a disappointment. And I, I made real sure that he understood that this car had bad paint, that the paint was cracked, and that it was a lot of it was original from 1948. He said, that's fine. He says, that's what I want. You know, I explained that the seats were cracked. I did tell him that it didn't have any visible rust. I told him that the bumpers, and showed a bunch of pictures of the bumpers. They had the chrome peeling off the bumpers in certain areas, but the rest of the chrome was good. It was exactly as I described it. And he was happy. And so he bought it. Now I've got to do a few things to it to just make sure that it's ready. Because my philosophy has always been this. I don't want anybody to be disappointed by my description or the accuracy of it. I've shipped cars all over the country from Iceland. Believe it or not, that's not this country. Sold a motorcycle in Iceland once. And all the way to uh, California. Delivered quite a few cars in California. 1968 Torino. 1972 Porsche 911T, uh, a couple Porsche 914s, um, probably sold, I don't know, six or eight cars in California. When they get the cars, they're usually very happy with them. As described, that's what you want. So Facebook Marketplace is a great tool for you to use. If you need help with this, if you've got an old car to sell, I'm perfectly willing and happy to help you. It's what I do. Call me 423-552-2020 or send me an email to lennylawson2020 at gmail.com and I'll see you on the next episode of My Car Guru.